First of all, I want to say thank you for supporting us and for praying for us in Mexico. We appreciate that very much. It's very rare that a church will take you on without you coming to present your work first. So you did that, and that's amazing. <laughs> so this is my first time to preach to you here. Uh, you probably knew my parents. Um, and my dad went home to be with the Lord in 2004, but my dad was from Ohio. So we're back in Ohio visiting family, um, Germantown. So we had to drive about 30 minutes or so to get here this morning, but not too far away. And uh, so, yeah, we have Ohio roots in our family. And my dad was saved when he was eight years old at a daily vacation Bible school. A uh, new church was starting up there in Germantown, and it was a Southern Baptist church, but they pulled out of the Southern Baptist Convention, and they're independent Baptists now. But uh, they were getting started in a storefront and had their VBS, and my dad was eight years old and went, and the preacher preached on hell, and my dad received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And uh, you know my dad had speech impediment in English. Do you know that? And uh, so when he was growing up, he couldn't, he couldn't say words correctly. Like, he couldn't say the word fruit. He would say poot. And would you please pass the poot, you know, down the table. And so they took him to classes and all that. But, you know, God called him to a country where he wouldn't have a speech impediment. And so he had a hard time pronouncing the R, R. So in Mexico, you don't have R, you have ferrocarril. Sube el barril al ferrocarril. That's the R's in Mexico, in Spanish, okay? So in Spanish, he did not have a speech impediment. <laughs> I'm also excited, and God knows what he's doing, and he makes no mistakes, amen? Um, but I'm also excited you're headed to camp this week? Amen. amen. And hey, be, pray, be praying, God will work in the hearts of the teenagers. You know what? There's a need for missionaries around the world, and we're not sending them out like we used to. Amen. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, and so this morning, I want to preach a message called Arise and Go. Arise and Go. We have too many people just sitting around and not serving the Lord like they ought to while the world is on their way to hell. And you know what? Uh, it's okay to go to church. It's okay to be fed. But really, church is like a school. It's like the training center. And you're, you come here to learn and go out there and put it in practice. And I hope you're doing that in your life. God doesn't want you just sitting around all the time. We, we sing a hymn sometimes. My house is full, but my fields are empty. And we as missionaries feel it's that way today. The house, is, the house is full, but the fields are empty. Uh, a few years ago, a new missionary came to Mexico, which that doesn't happen very often anymore. But anyway, his name's Adam Russell. And when Adam got down to Mexico, I'm like, I told him, hey, we're going to a pastor's conference. I want you to go with us. So he wasn't planning on going, but I dragged him along anyway. And when I introduced him to the other missionaries there at the conference, they all clapped. Why, why do you think they clapped? They were excited that a new missionary came to Mexico because that's not happening very often, and that, that's sad. Now, when I was raising support to go to Mexico, I would call some churches, and the pastor would say, oh, we already support one missionary in Mexico. I'm like, 
okay, but I had just come from Mexico. I'm a missionary kid that had just come from Mexico and went through PBI and graduated and was now in deputation. I knew the need. I knew the need down there. And that'd be like sending one soldier to the war that's going on over there in Ukraine against Russia and hoping you win. <clears throat> they have some sayings in Mexico. They say, uh, well, here we say many hands make light work. Okay. And when it's just one man on the front, don't expect him to win <laughs> against a, lot, a large enemy. All right, so let's go to Proverbs 10.26. And God doesn't like us just sitting around all the time. And this message is titled, Arise and Go, because too many people are just sitting around. Proverbs 10.26. You know, God doesn't like sending lazy people or a sluggard to do his work. Nobody does. And let's read the verse, Proverbs 10.26, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes. You like smoke in your eyes? So is the sluggard to them that send him. So God has sent us out into the world. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so I was saddened by the fact that, oh, we got Mexico covered. We already have one down there. Well, do you know how many people live in Mexico? 130 million people. And do you know what percentage of them are still Catholic, so they're lost and on their way to hell? 83% of all Mexicans are Catholics and are on their way to hell. And uh, who's reaching them? One missionary isn't going to get the job done. It's not, it's not going to happen. We need more. We need more. Arise and go. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for meeting with us here this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be at work in hearts here this morning. I pray that you'll bless their week at camp and, and that the Holy Spirit would work in the teenagers' hearts and that the preaching of the word would accomplish, Lord, what it goes out to do and that it would not return void. And Lord, I pray that you'll if you're not coming soon, I pray that you'll raise up another generation after generation of missionaries to go around the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Help us to have a heart for the lost and have the same compassion that you had when you looked upon the people as a, a sheep without a shepherd and, uh, and lost and without direction, not knowing where they're going in this world, Lord. And uh, help us to have that same burden, that same compassion, and to do something about it. And please bless your word as it goes forth today, Lord, and help us to retain it and to obey it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's go back to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 9. Proverbs 6, 9. And let's begin in verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her, consider her ways, and be wise. So if we're slothful, we're sluggards, we're lazy, we're not being wise. And do you know what goes on today? And you, you can look this up after church if you want. But people waste a lot of time. <clears throat> and before it was with television, it, it, uh, it, it just robs your time. You might sit down to watch one show and then 
Another something exciting comes on, and then you're sitting there for four or five hours. Well, now today it's the cell phone. People are addicted to their cell phones, and people spend anywhere from four and a half hours a day up to six hours a day on their cell phones, and they're just wasting time. Uh, please don't be that person wasting time. You would do better reading your Bible, praying, or getting up and going out to do something for the Lord than sitting around wasting time. And here it says, which having no guide, do you have a guide? Who's our guide? And the Holy Spirit, right? His, his purpose is to guide us into all truth. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? So, being lazy is sin. It doesn't please God at all. And we have people just sitting around, sitting around, sitting around. And God wants you to get up and go. Arise and go. Arise and go. Have you ever, ever noticed reading your Bible that the people that God called to serve him or to follow him or to do something for him, the apostles, uh, some of the prophets in the Old Testament, they were usually already working when God called them. Not in, every, not in every case, but they were usually working when God called them. And so I want to look at a couple of those. Let's go to the book of Judges, chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Beginning in verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Bezerite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, you normally wouldn't thresh wheat in the winepress. And, you know, every drunk's excuse for drinking is that, well, Jesus made wine. <laughs> It was freshly squeezed. That doesn't get anybody drunk. Amen. And uh, so a wine press, you have to know how they lived back then. And, and you wouldn't thresh wheat at the wine press. You would normally use the threshing floor to thresh wheat. But they had an enemy that was coming in and taking all their food. They knew when was the time of harvest, and that's when they showed up. And imagine if you planted a garden year after year after year and someone came every time something was ripe and took it away in the night and you never got to eat from your own garden, wouldn't you be frustrated? So that caused the Israelites to become more and more poor because they not only were stealing the wheat and the things they planted, but they would steal their animals as well. So there was no vegetables and no meat and they began uh, diving into deeper and deeper poverty, but that was punishment for forsaking the Lord their God and pursuing after other gods or idols which the people around them worshipped. And so uh, they were being punished by the Lord for their disobedience and for worshipping other gods which are not gods. And so he's busy working. He's threshing weed. He's hiding. He's hiding. He's not doing it where he would normally do it. He's hiding away from the enemy because if they see him, they'll come steal his food. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. 
And you know what? God sometimes looks at us differently than how we even look at ourselves. And I'm, I'm sure Gideon didn't feel like a mighty man of valor. He was hiding out from the enemy, uh, threshing the wheat. Oh, I hope they don't see me. And God came and called him a mighty man of valor. I'm glad God doesn't look at us like we look at ourselves. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling us, befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Yes, but it's not all God's fault. It's your fault for forsaking the, the only true and living God and going and worshiping idols. But God found him working. God found him working. And then the prophet Elisha. Let's go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. First Kings 19, beginning in verse 16. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. God gives him a list of things to do here. This is Elijah. And at the end of verse 15, it says, Anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meolah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. He was going to get a replacement. And see, he thought he was the only one left in Israel who had not worshipped idols. But God told him he had 7,000 more. And sometimes we, we're like that too. We feel like we're the only one left. No, you're not. There are many more. For us as missionaries, it's exciting to come to the States and find churches like yours who still are preaching from the King James Bible and still singing the old hymns because you know what? They're fewer and far between now. I don't feel comfortable in the other churches. I feel comfortable here. Amen. So that's a blessing. You know what? A lot of times we take our blessings for granted. Don't do that. Appreciate your church. Appreciate your pastor and appreciate the preaching and teaching you get from the Word of God. Let's go down to verse 19 and read verses 19 and 20 and 21. So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. That'd be like your tractor today. And he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them. So that would be like a farmer today setting his tractors on fire and saying, I'm not going back to farming. See, God called him and he's going to leave what he was doing and destroy the tools he used because his decision, his decision was going to be permanent. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Oh, verse 21. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with their instruments of the oxen. So all the, the plows were made out of wood, maybe some of the pieces to connect all the oxen together and uh, that was a powerful tractor he had, 12 yoke of oxen. 
And he's walking behind it. Well, he kills the oxen, boils the flesh, burns all the instruments that he was using to plow with. He was leaving farming for good. And sometimes today, you know, you say, oh, well, I'll serve God as long as it goes smoothly. And then when things get tough, I'll just go back to what I was doing before. Don't do that. If you serve God, serve him until he calls you home. And here it says, and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And sometimes, you know, I've noticed that before God will take someone and use someone, you have to learn to serve others. And we see that with Moses and Joshua as well. So Joshua, his minister, he ministered unto him. He served under him. He served him. And sometimes people today want to jump right into serving God without learning to serve others first. And that's not going to work very well. Well, you need to be humble. All right, now let's go to Luke 9.62. Luke 9.62. Sometimes people today want to look back. Let's read Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Don't look back longing for the things you used to be involved in. Don't look back say, Boy, I sure miss those good old times. No, no, no. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And he's waiting for you at the end of the race. Amen. And now let's go look and see when Jesus called Peter. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. These were rough men he called to to come follow him. Have you ever been around fishermen? (laughs) Matthew 4, 18 through 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. They were busy working, and God called them. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How many of you like to fish? I like to fish. But the best ones you catch are those 200-pounders. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pastor Jones? Soul winning! <laughs> I like both kinds of fishing, but one is much more important than the other. Amen. And he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so they just dropped what they were doing and followed him. A lot of people today don't want to do that. They like what they're doing too much. They're too in love with their sins. Or they think they're, oh, I can't leave my job. See, that takes faith. It takes a lot of faith. And... When my dad went to Mexico, he, he was in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, he had joined the Navy and was trained to be an el- uh, aircraft electrician. And so that training took place in Jacksonville, Florida, and then later he was stationed in Pensacola, Florida at NAS repairing uh, the wiring on these airplanes. And back then they were called A-4 Skyhawks, what he was working on, and uh, it was a plane that landed on an aircraft carrier, a Navy plane, a Navy jet. It was some of the earlier earlier jets. And when he went to Mexico, he had, 
He finished his time in the service but continued working on the base uh, civil service. And when he went to Mexico, he had to quit his job. His uh, friends at work were saying, you're going to be back here begging for a job. You're going to starve to death in Mexico. But what they didn't know is that you can't starve to death in Mexico. They all tried to feed you. They all tried to feed you. It's like, hey, it's lunchtime. Come eat at our house. And you can't starve to death in Mexico. They'll say, I don't have much. All I have beans and tortillas, but they're the best ones you've ever eaten. And so that's the staple in Mexico. You have to have the beans and tortillas and hot sauce and then they, that's there for every meal and then whatever you want to add to it but that's their staples and so no no you couldn't starve to death in Mexico and he never came back asking for his old job back either uh, he burnt the tractor and the plow amen there was no coming back now let's go to right here when he called James and John, verse 21 and 22. And going from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, and the sons of thunder. Amen. Is there any thunder in your life? <laughs> Are you on fire for God? What causes thunder? Lightning. And what's lightning? It's fire. Mending their nets. They're busy mending their nets, and he called them. Now, they weren't out fishing, but that was part of the job. If you have holes in your nets, you're not going to catch any fish. They'll all swim through the hole and escape. And so when I lived up here in Ohio, I was up here for a year, and I lived with my grandma over in Germantown, Ohio. And I was actually running from the call of God on my life. I went to St. Clair for a year, and I didn't want to be a preacher because I didn't like standing in front of people. Very shy, nervous, didn't, didn't like that at all. And But that's funny. God doesn't care. He don't care. You just got to get over it, Buster. Just get over it. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I, I work for a, landscape, a landscaper. And uh, a friend from church says, hey, I have a friend starting up a new business. Uh, he's looking for workers. You interested in working for him? Yes, sir. And I went to work for him. And uh, sometimes, not all the time was spent behind the lawnmower mowing. Sometimes we were at the shop and had to pull off all those blades and sharpen them up real good. No one likes a dull blade. That's why I like my King James Bible. It's nice and sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. Those other versions or perversions, they're dull, man. I don't want a sword like that. And uh, so I learned a lot working with him, and that was a blessing. And... Uh, but yeah, not all your time is spent mowing. And these guys, not all their time was spent fishing. They had to mend their nets, but they were working. And it says, and he called them. So God continually was calling people that he found working, that he found working. And I want to go to 1 Samuel now, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And sometimes God will give you instructions in your ministry. And that was the case with Samuel. First came for Samuel 16. And let's read verses 12 and 13. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance. 
Now, boys don't usually like to, hey, don't call me beautiful. Don't call me pretty. But man, with the world we're in today, it's all flipped upside down. This world's a crazy place. And nowadays, boys wants to look like girls, and girls want to look like boys. This, uh, everything's backwards. And that just doesn't please God. But here it describes King David as having a beautiful countenance. This morning, my aunt said, you're pretty handsome, too. I said, well, I accept the handsome part, but not the pretty part. Don't call me pretty. <laughs> just cutting up with my aunt. But uh, here, here it says, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And here in the Bible, when we see that God tells someone to rise and go, they obeyed. People today, a lot of people today aren't even listening to God's voice. We have too much noise in our lives. You know, when God speaks, when he appeared unto Elijah, God wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the fire, and then a still, small voice, and that was God. So imagine if God's speaking to you in a still, small voice today, and you're on your cell phone for six hours a day, are you going to hear him? Or you have the TV blasting all day long, are you going to hear him? You're riding down the road and your stereo's on, and are you going to hear him? No, there's too much noise in our lives, and God speaks, and we don't hear him. It's important to listen and to hear him when he speaks. Amen. And to obey when he speaks. And we're going to see in these people's lives, they actually obeyed. And people today, if they actually heard God, wouldn't want to obey him. And that's sad. We need more. We need more people going to the mission field. Arise and go. Now let's go look at Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings 21. In verses 18 and 19. Now remember, in Israel, they were blaming Elijah because it hadn't rained for three and a half years. And remember, Ahab was the most wicked king there ever was in Israel. There wasn't any king that was worse before him and none after him that were as bad as he was. A terrible king because of who he married. And so who, besides receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the second most important decision in your life is who you marry. And he didn't marry, he didn't follow the, God's rules, he didn't follow the law, and he went and married a princess from Sidon, and they were, they didn't worship the one true and living God, they were idolaters, they were pagans and idolaters, and he married her, and then she was bringing that idolatry into Israel. And what do you think that caused? God's punishment upon him. And, but boy, those were hard times for a preacher. She was uh, killing God's servants. But the false prophets, she fed them, clothed them. They sat at the king's table, ate the finest food. While God's servants have to be hiding in caves somewhere, eating bread and water, barely surviving. And so in 1 Kings 21, sometimes it, God gives you instructions and you're like, huh, what? Say that again? Come again? Go meet the king? 
Ahab, Ahab, the one that hates me because it's not raining? Why wasn't it raining? Punishment from God upon Israel for their idolatry. And here in 1 Kings 21, 18, arise and go. It's hard to go if you don't stand up first. Get up and go. Who? Me, Lord? Yes, you. Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, child dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Sometimes God sends you to give a message that's not pleasant. <laughs> Amen? Amen? People don't want to hear, hey, if you die today, you're going to hell. They don't want to hear that. That's not a pleasant message to go deliver. And God has us deliver it. Amen. Amen. And then let's go to 2 Kings chapter 1. Here we have a king that fell. He fell and was injured. And let's read here in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse 2. And Isaiah fell down through the lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, where I shall, whether I shall recover of this disease. Do you recognize the name Beelzebub? Who's that? Well, actually, Baal means Lord, and Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. Who's that? It's the devil, amen. And in the New Testament, you see that when Jesus cast out devils from a young man, they said, oh, he does this by the power of Beelzebub. He cast out devils. And then Jesus told him, no, that can't be because a house divided against itself cannot stand. The devil's not going to cast out devils because they're in agreement. And so here we have, you can see the condition of the country, the condition of the kings. Instead of sending to inquire of the prophet or, you know, the, at, the, at the tabernacle, they, the priest had these stones on their vestment and uh, they could inquire and God would answer through the stones lighting up. But he didn't do that. Hey, devil, hey, Satan, am I going to survive this sickness? Verse 3, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? And that's a sad situation to be in, and God tells him to go up and meet the messengers, and has a message for him. Now let's go to Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah 6, 8. And here it doesn't say arise and go, but it says who will go for us? Who will go for us? And like I said, you can't go unless you stand up first, right? You can't go to your car unless you stand up first. I, I don't think I'll see anybody rolling their way to the car after, after the service. You stand up and walk out. Amen. 
And God wants people today to stand up, stand up for what's right, and go, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And here it says, And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Why does it say us? So it's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Then said I, here am I, send me. And that's unusual for people just to volunteer like that. Oh, I'm here, Lord, send me. But Isaiah did. We need more people like Isaiah. Amen. And let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Beginning in verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee. Sanctify is to set apart. And you know, when God saves us, part of the what he does in us is sanctify us. And you know, God wants to set you apart for a special purpose. You shouldn't just be a run-of-the-mill person just wasting their life away. God wants to set you apart. I sanctify thee, and I ordain thee a prophet. doesn't just say to Israel, which is interesting. It says, unto the nations. Then said I, O oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. From what I gather from... The, from studying and teaching in our Bible Institute, uh, Jeremiah was actually about 20 years old here. But remember, in Israel, they didn't consider you fully an adult till you were 30. That was the coming of age for a man. So he says he's a child, but really he's about 20 years old. Nowadays, we don't consider a 20-year-old a child. And sometimes we're quick to come up with excuses. Well, Lord, I'm not 30 yet. <laughs> I'm just a child. I, I can't go. Moses, right? Oh, I can't even speak, Lord. I st 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 stutter. That's okay. I'll call, you, I'll call you to a country where you don't have a speech impediment. And here in verse 6. And then, I, then said I, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Okay, Lord. Amen, Lord. Who's going to stand up and say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'll go. Silence. That's sad. Amen. Well, I hope the Lord works in their hearts at camp this week. Amen. 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 And then go down to verse 17 here, and we'll read through verse 19. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. We're not to be afraid of the people we're supposed to go out to preach to. Oh, Mexico, aren't there cartels down there? You know what the safest place for you is on this whole planet? The center of God's will, wherever that is. Amen. Amen. 
Verse 18, for behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof. Everybody was corrupt and against the people of the land and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee, saith the Lord to deliver thee. I am able to deliver thee. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. And sometimes, like I said, it's him giving his servants instructions. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 22. Ezekiel 3.22 and verse 23. And the hand of the Lord was there upon me. And that's a wonderful thing. And he said unto me, Arise, go forth into the plain, and I will there talk with thee. Hey, you know what? You need to get apart to a quiet place where there's no TV noise, no cell phone noise. You do know how to turn that thing off, don't you? And you need to get in a place that's set apart. I'll leave mine behind a lot. I didn't bring it with me. She had one. We're using it to get here because I didn't, wasn't sure how to get here. But then you get here, turn it off. Turn it off. God's going to talk to you, but he's not going to call your cell phone. It's going to be through his word. Amen. And so here he tells Ezekiel to get up and go, rise and go, and go out into the plain, and I will there talk to thee. You need to get alone with God in a quiet place so you can hear him without any interruptions. Without any disturbance, where you can get alone and talk with God, and he can talk to you. And that's what he told Ezekiel. Look at verse 23, and we see him obeying. People today don't want to obey. I'm not turning my cell phone off. Uh, we run a Christian camp in Mexico. Um, we, own, we own the camp, the camp. It's up in the mountains, beautiful place, 7,000 feet. Pine trees, red clay, beautiful place to get away and meet with God. And it wasn't this year, but last year, one, uh, one of the teenagers was being counseled by one of my pastor friends because we have to work together. We have 160 teenagers at camp and a total of 300 people. We had 84 go from our church this year. So, so it's a big deal. And God's called a lot of people to full-time service at, at the camp. And we thank God for that. We give him all the honor and glory for that. But a year ago, not this year, but last year, one of the teens told one of the pastors who was counseling him that he was on his cell phone, what did I say? 18 hours a day? 18 hours a day on his cell phone. You think that's just a problem here in the United States? No, it's a problem everywhere. And in Mexico, also a big problem is drug, drug abuse. They're all on crystal meth down there. That's a problem. It's a problem. And what do they need? The gospel. He'll turn their lives around. To Ezekiel, he tells them to, hey, I'm not going to talk to you here. You've got to rise and go. When you get out to the plain, there we'll talk. Verse 23. Then I arose and went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory of the Lord, which I saw by the river of Kibar, and I fell on my face. And then 
They talked. They spoke. God spoke. But first, he had to rise and go and get that to that meeting place. Then all of you know the story of Jonah. What did God tell him? Arise and go. Hey, why are all God's servants sitting around? Why are they all sitting around? Go to the book of Jonah. We're going to go quick, and I'm going to finish here. Get to the book of Jonah, chapter 1 and verse 2. Hey, aren't you glad God's a God of second chances? You know, he gave Jonah a second chance. And when the, he, when the whale vomited him out there on the beach, God told him the same thing he told him in chapter 1. And look in verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, a big, large city. And cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh? Hey, Lord, that's our enemies up there. I want to go to Nineveh. And he ran the opposite direction, got on a ship. There was a storm. They threw him into the sea. Bible says a large fish. God made him. He can call him what he wants to call him. Because you've got to read Matthew 12, 40, and there it tells us it was a whale. If God wants to call a whale a fish. He can call it a fish. Scientists call them mammals. God calls it a great big fish. There are some big ones. Know how big a blue whale gets? Park three school buses end to end. That's how large they get. God made them. He can call them what he wants to. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So then the whale vomits him out. Let's go to chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time, saying the exact same thing he said the first time. God's will never changed. God's will didn't change. He still wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach. But Nineveh? That's the capital of the Syrians, Lord. You know what they've been doing to us here in Israel? Yeah, I want you to go there and preach. But Lord, they might kill me. I'm a... I'm a Jewish man. Those Assyrians, they come down and fight against us. And at one time, Asher, or Ashur, was the capital of Assyria, which is where the word Assyria comes from. And they're cities. They're like city uh, states. And, and so at first it was Asher, or Ashur, and they worshiped the god Ashur, which was an idol. And a certain time of year, it was time for war. They were all farmers, and they were out farming. But a certain time of year, it was time for war. And they would go out and fight their battles. The farmers would leave their farming implements behind and go fight. And God began using Assyria to punish Israel for their idolatry. So Jonah didn't want to go preach to the enemies. But second time, he did. Then he was sad when God repented of destroying the city and... We don't hear much more about Jonah after that in the Bible. That's sad. And then, I don't know if you heard recent, recently, but when, what Obama called them, the JV team, <laughs> ISIS was in there in the Middle East, um, you know, destroying these archaeological sites and all that. You know what they did to Jonah's tomb, which is right there in Nineveh, which today is called Mosul? They set a bomb off at Jonah's tomb and blew it to pieces. So Jonah was actually buried there 
and didn't go on and minister to the Lord anywhere else. Don't let that happen to you. Arise and go. Arise and go. Okay, let's look at a couple more and we're going to be done. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 8. So what are you going to do when the Lord tells you, hey, it's time to get up and go. What are you going to do? I'll just sit here another 20 years. That's the problem. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8. And after Acts, we're going to Ephesians and we're going to be done. But Acts chapter 8. Here it's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And look at 8.26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And what did he do? Got up and went. He led the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. He was reading Isaiah 53, didn't understand what he was reading. And Philip explained it all to him. And he was saved and baptized that same day. And he went back to Ethiopia and the historians tell us that Philip later went there as a missionary and had access to officials in the government who supported him. And he went there as a missionary and started lots of churches in Ethiopia. Or what do you got to do? Arise and go. Arise and go. And here in Acts 9, look at Acts 9. Saul, look at verse 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And Ananias in verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go. Into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Oh, Saul, you know what he's here for, Lord? Do you know why Saul was on his way to Damascus, Lord? You want me to go pray for him? Yep. And he did. And God used Saul, who later became Paul, more than he used any of the other apostles. Okay, let's go to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to finish here. Ephesians 5.14. What's wrong with Christians today? Can you tell me? Ephesians 5.14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. When you're sleeping, you're not going to get up and go. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. We have dead Christians, and we have dead churches. And Christ shall give thee light. So what are we supposed to do? Well, first of all, are you actually listening for when God speaks? And when he says, arise and go, what are you going to do? Boy, we sure need more missionaries in the world today. Back in April, I had the opportunity to go preach in Colombia. When you know English and Spanish, it just opens up this whole side of the world to you. And over there, England and Spain, 
And in Portugal, you, you, you need, we, we know Spanish. We can communicate with the, with, in, with the people that speak Portuguese. All the roots of the words are same, the same. The only thing that changes is the endings. So they understand us a little easier than we can understand them, but we can communicate. And we were down in Colombia. Uh, one of the missionaries we support invited me down to preach their missions conference. What a blessing. We went down there. They were just moving from a storefront into their building, and they had me be their first preacher to preach from the, their new pulpit and their new building. Now that's, that's an honor. And uh, so while we were there, we, we found out there are only four independent Baptist churches in that whole state, which they call Un Departamento, which is the Departamento de Boyacá. Only four in the whole state. The missionary we sent from Mexico started two of those churches, and he's starting another one. And, he, and the, where I preach, he's getting ready to turn it over to a man he trained. But only four independent Baptist churches in the whole state? Mm -hmm. And that's a big state. And the saddest part was they were telling us about other departamentos or states in Colombia where there's not even one. <clears throat> and so he's burdened to go to other areas and start more churches and train more nationals and that's a blessing to support missionaries like that. So what are you going to do when the Lord tells you, arise and go? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Pastor? Pastor?